Well, I'm Kathleen Selji, and I'm delighted to be with you to share the message today. We are finishing up our series that's been based on Scott Saul's book, Becoming an Irresist- Having an Irresistible Faith, Becoming the Kind of Christian That the World Can't Resist. And if you have not read it yet, it's not too late, even though the series is coming to a close. We've explored three aspects of becoming irresistible. Abiding in an irresistible Christ, belonging to an irresistible community, and becoming an irresistible Christian. And in this last chapter, Leaving It Better, Scott Sauls poses this question. What if, what if the church found itself time and time again in the center of God's strategy to heal and bless the world? About a week ago, I had a dream. I was backstage at a concert um, down in the back, and I was heading down these dimly lit stairwell with this person who had access to go backstage. Now, as dreams work, I missed the concert. I have no idea what I was there for, but I'm going down this stairwell with this person, and we get to the door, and the dream stopped. I was like, what? It's the shortest dream ever. Who is behind the door? Well, if this is your dream, who are you hoping to see behind the door? And what if you knew that by entering into that door, you could be given a message that would make you wise, wise enough to heal the world, making it better? What if the person that we all saw behind the door was... Mr. Rogers. And for those of you in the room who don't know who Mr. Rogers is, you might know Daniel Tiger's neighborhood, which is based on Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. He was the original neighborhood guy. And Mr. Rogers, who was a TV star and a Presbyterian minister, he said something fascinating in a CNN interview. He said this, I went into television because I hated it so. And I thought, there's some way of using this fabulous instrument to nurture those who would watch and listen. Mr. Rogers made TV better for us. Or maybe behind the door you would see this lady, Oprah Winfrey. I think we all know Oprah. For 25 years her show was broadcasted. In history, this is the most popular publication of its type. And Oprah is known for being one of the greatest philanthropists of our time. And what that means is that Oprah is great. She ranks great at making it better for others. Well, what might Mr. Rogers or Oprah, what might their message of wisdom be? Or let's just say that you are the person that's behind the door. What is the message you would want to give to the world to make it better, a healing balm for the world. Well, I have good news for you. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have been given a very clear message. And this morning, we are gonna explore two questions about it. Number one, what is our message? And number two, how do we share our message? We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter one, Verse 18, I'd love for you to open up your pew Bibles. It's page number 1697. Let's open up the good book here today. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Now, student friends, when you open this, I want you to look at chapter 1 and figure out who's writing this letter. I'm going to ask you later to tell me who is writing this letter. We find out in the beginning of chapter 1 that this, church, this letter is being written to the church in Corinth as well as to all people who are in Jesus Christ. So this letter is actually written for many of us as well. And the church in Corinth had a lot of problems at this time, problems like pride and envy and greed. And we find particularly in chapter one that they're having a hard time figuring out who to follow. They've had these different teachers and they're quarreling about this. Who are we to follow? They're arguing and they're confused about the message. Now, my student friends, did you figure out who's writing this chapter? Paul, excellent, you all looked it up, good job. In Acts 18, we learn that Paul had been in Corinth for 18 months. He's the one that started the church in Corinth. And now 1 Corinthians comes later. He's writing them after he has been with them. And it's this sort of come to Jesus sort of letter because that's what they're needing. So follow along with me as I begin reading at verse 18. And kids, I want you to count how many times you hear the word wise, wiser, or wisdom. Starting at verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, 
but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. All right, my kids who've been counting, how many times did you hear the word wise or wisdom or wiser? Right here. 16. Who else? Anybody else? Right back there. 17. Anybody else? Up there. 17. Well, I counted 16, so it's either 16 or 17. We've got some great counters here today. Love it. What is our message to the world? Paul tells the Corinthians, the message is Christ is safe, happy, and nice. Is that what he said? No. I think sometimes that's what we wish he would say. But that's not what he said. He said, the message is the message of the cross. The message that I preach is Christ crucified. And that's a powerful and weighty message. And he says this message is for Jews and it's for Gentiles. And let me just tell you, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. So the message is for everyone. And here is the kicker, my friends. The message is for everyone, and everyone stumbles upon it. It's a stumbling block for everyone. The Jews were searching for signs, and the Greeks for wisdom with all their philosophers of the age. Christ crucified? That's the answer? A man of low birth condemned as a criminal? That was laughable to them foolishness. For the Jews of the time, they were expecting that the Messiah would come to restore the kingdom of Israel, the throne of David, that he would be a political victor, a king triumphing over all nations. To be crucified was to be defeated in the most disgraceful manner. A crucified savior was downright offensive and unthinkable, a stumbling block they couldn't get around. Crucified Christ, it's a stumbling block for us today as well. So how or why is Christ crucified the healing balm for the world, the message that leaves us better, this stumbling block? Paul says in verse 26, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. You are not wise, nor influential, nor noble, but even if you were, that doesn't matter. God turns things upside down from what we would expect. God's team is the foolish, the weak, and those without influence. Why? So no one may boast before God. Well, what might I boast about? My church attendance? It's not looking so good lately. My good behavior sometimes, I'm pretty convinced I do the most dishes at my house. That's got to count for something. I'm nice. Those of you who know me know that I'm more truthful than I am nice. That I'm generous. Look at verse 30. It's because of God that you are, that I am in Christ Jesus. It's not up to us, and this levels the playing field for everyone. We all sin, and we all need a savior, and this is the healing balm. 
Jesus is our access door to God, all God's power and all God's wisdom. In God's wisdom through Jesus, it turns out we receive a whole lot. Let's look at what we receive. In Jesus, this is back in 30 again, verse 30, we are given three big words, righteousness, holiness, and redemption. This is God's wisdom. God's wisdom is in Jesus, we are made right in God's eyes. All that God in his holiness requires us to be. God's wisdom is that in Jesus, we are made holy. Instead of being separated from God because of our sin, that's what our sin does, our sin separates us from God. Through Jesus Christ, we are separated to God and become part of his family, seen as holy and blameless without sin. In God's wisdom, in Jesus, we are set free. We're redeemed from paying a debt that we couldn't pay. Only Christ could pay that debt. And in doing this, he sets us free from the power and the bondage of sin. We do not have to say yes to sin. We actually have that power within us because we have access to all the power of God. In Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he wanted to remind them of this again. And so he says this, God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. We might become the holiness of God. We might become the redemption of God. In Christ, this is what we receive. This is the healing balm that the Jews and the Greeks received when Paul dared to share the message with them. And God transformed the hearts and the minds of the people in the city of Corinth. He took what was a stumbling block and foolishness to them, and he opened the door to himself through Christ Jesus. And you know what? He does it for us as well in Edina and Eden Prairie, Minneapolis, all across the world. God is opening our hearts to receive the truth that Jesus' death on the cross is our access And you know what? Everything changes between us and God and how we see the world when we surrender to this reality. This is the message that leaves the world better. It satisfies the hunger every human heart has for God. Whether the human heart is aware or not, we all are hungry for God. Our message is Christ crucified. This is God's wisdom. This is God's power, his great love, and his means for healing the world. So how do we share this message in the places that we live, the, where we work, where we play and worship? How do we live with the purpose of leaving people, places, and things better? With what posture? What can we learn from Paul? Paul came to the Corinthians not with eloquence or human wisdom or persuasive words. And in Greek, this word eloquence refers to a person who has stored up learning and they are able to use it convincingly. In verse 17, Paul writes that he did not preach the gospel with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. 
Paul, who was highly educated, did not rely on his education or his, abil- his ability to win arguments with his intellect. So we too, like Paul, don't need to share the message reliant upon how much we know or how much we wish we knew. We simply need to know this message, this clear message, Christ crucified, is our access to God. We can't convince others, we can't transform hearts, only God can do that. We can't prove that the message we share is healing, God is the one that does that. But we simply share it with those we like and dislike, and those we're even afraid of. Prior to living in Minneapolis, my family lived in Colorado Springs. This is what we looked like back then. And while we lived in Colorado Springs, one day I was in Starbucks downtown getting some time with Jesus, reading my Bible. And in walked a big homeless man who was very scary. He captivated the hearts of everyone in Starbucks that day. When I saw him, I sensed the Spirit of God say to me, give him a drink. I began arguing and wrestling with God, internalizing my fear. God, I don't know about this. How am I going to ask him if he wants a drink? Everybody is watching him in the entire Starbucks. This is going to be really awkward. What do I say? I, I could just... I can ask a lot of questions if I'm trying to avoid what God's asking me to do. And he's, he's in there. He's finally about to leave. It was a very cold day. Before he left, he looked back, and it looked like he looked directly at me. I was still glued to my seat. And I heard the Spirit of God whisper, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. I was like, oh no, oh no, I'm so messed up. I grabbed my Bible, my journal, my bag, all my stuff, coat, run outside, well, I could not find this man, even though I looked. And I said, God, I'm sorry. I missed an opportunity today. Would you give me another chance to share your love with this man? Five months later, I was in downtown Colorado Springs, quite honestly, a little tired from ministry and needing a little break. I was walking through the park that was downtown, When I first entered the park, there was a bench, and I noticed this homeless man. Immediately, I knew it was him. And I kept walking this way. He's over there. And I said, God, that's the man, isn't it? "Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And I said, okay. He's like, give him something to eat. Really? Are you sure you want me to give him something? Here I go again. Again. You think I'd learn? Again, Jesus, are you sure you want me to do that? How am I going to do that? Where are we going to take him? I just go on and on. And then the Spirit of God said, whatever you do not do for the least of these, you do not do for me. And so literally, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe he turned my body, and with great fear and awkwardness and trepidation, I came back to the man and fumbled my words, and it turns out he was hungry. And so he came with me to get something to eat. You want to know what's crazy? Me and that man, Seth, we went to Burger's Bagels, the last place he was employed. And he shared his story with me, his life. And while he was doing this, I realized that Seth and I had common acquaintance, which seems quite amazing to me. Wisconsin girl Kathleen and Colorado homeless man have a common acquaintance. It's not remarkable to God, but it was to me. 
And through that conversation, I realized that Seth really did not like Christians, but he kind of liked Jesus. And I had the privilege of telling Seth how very much God loved him, that I would not be here with him if it wasn't for God who is so compelled to serve Seth. On that morning while I ate breakfast with Seth, his family was sitting in a Presbyterian church in town, lovely, amazing people. And they had been crying out to God for years, where is our son? Is he dead or is he alive? He had started a drug addiction, by the way, in a parking lot of a Presbyterian church years earlier. That was his start to homelessness. And I had the privilege of being part of the reconciliation that God had in store for Seth and his parents and his siblings. What I want you to hear in this is that God used scaredy cat Kathleen in weakness, even in my disobedience. He allowed me the privilege to be his messenger. Our message is Christ crucified. And this is what the message means for us today. It means God loves us. It means God loves everyone, and he wants everyone to know that Jesus is the way. He is the healing balm that brings us into relationship with God the Father. We don't do it on ourselves. We don't do it by ourselves. Do you believe the message? Where are you at in embracing the message of Jesus as God's healing balm, not only for yourselves, but for the world? And how might you love people and places and things to life? Let's think again about that dimly lit stairwell backstage. Jesus is the access door. He grants us access to God who makes us better. And for those of us who are in Christ, we have this access. Who is it that you might lead down those stairs in weakness and in reliance on the power of God to show them this healing balm that we have through Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you so grateful that you have given your son Jesus, that we would have life in you, freedom, forgiveness of sins, such joy. We confess that we don't always remember that you truly are the healing balm. Help us to be your messengers that the world might be better. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.